Hey there, folks. Welcome back to the show. Episode 141. Another episode of the podcast that embiggens your soul. It's a totally cromulent usage of that word. Welcome back, folks. On this week's episode, we are joined by Common Council President Mike Galimi, making another appearance on the show. Uh, Also this week, we're going to talk about uh, the mysterious snowstorm that came out of nowhere. Uh, Snowstorm Riley, named after GFOP Kate Riley. Uh, We'll also talk about uh, Kevin's trip to Florida, uh, the terrible uh, college situation that happened earlier this week, uh, the the video game summit that's not happening, history lessons, English lessons, a little bit of an Oscar recap, all this and much more, folks. As usual, we are happy to have you here. Oh, yeah. So 141, Kevin, you're back. Uh, yeah. You've returned. Was I, I was not on the show last week, was I? You were not <laughs> on the show last week. Oh, man. Different. What a, it was different. Was it? Are you okay? I'm all right. Yeah. I have to say. I'm disappointed, but I'm That's right. fair. I have to say, I thought that Mr. Uh, Mr. Parkinson, who filled in admirably last week, was actually on his best behavior. Yeah, he so was thanks. Buzzed. Yeah, so thanks for him for not, like, hijacking the show or doing Parkinson stuff. It's always nice. Yeah, he got right with the flow of everything. Yeah. Oh, and Charlie the Cat is scratching at the studio door, so I'm going to let him out. Why? Yeah, just, just let him out. We'll yeah. find a way to fill where you make a move over there. probably wanted to be on the show. He's been, you know, Charlie the House Cat has been much more aggressively, like, getting toward the studio when people have been here lately. He's I, got a lot of stir craziness out here and all this weather. He doesn't have time to go out and, like, run through the neighborhood yeah. for six hours a day, eight hours a day like he's used to. That's true. He's hey, taking speak, a toll on him. Speaking of the weather, we, uh, we survived another outrageous snowstorm that I felt like this one sort of came out of nowhere, even though people were talking about it. I don't, yeah, I don't think we expected what came. <laughs> I, really I was skeptical of it. I think, you, Kevin, you and I were saying something right before we, I went to bed that night on Monday, or whatever night it was, Thursday night, and I was like, I think this is going to be a dud. <laughs> right? Yeah, I was, I was trying to reverse jinx it because I wanted the storm. Were you? Yeah. Yeah, I was trying to reverse jinx it. I'm always hoping for the snowstorm. Anytime there's a snowstorm warning, I'm hoping it's worse than they say it's going to be. Me too, because you can go skiing. Did you do any skiing yeah. when you were out there? That's Pretty nice. Yep, a couple times went. It was nice. So. Um, we did not do any skiing here at the studio. We did <laughs> We did end up, like, we spent about three or four. It was interesting because we lost power that Thursday morning, or what, Friday morning for a couple, like three hours, I think. Probably, yeah, close to four or five four hours, or five. I think. The whole block was out. And I was very ready to sit down and just play video games all day. And then the power went out, and I said, oh, well, that ruins that, so I might as well do something productive. Well, I felt like we had to get up and make a move, because there was, like, no firewood left, and the power, like, if it went out, it was early in the storm. I'm like, it's possible we might not get power back until tomorrow. Sure. So if that's the case, we got to dig these cars out before this gets any worse and go on a supply run. And in typical, like, Made in Utica fashion, it was you and me and uh, and Cliff and Parkinson out there. And we ended up, like, snowblowing and shoveling, like, five or six other people's driveways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did about we did about six houses because we had the snowblower and then we had, like, four shovels and all of us were out there. And then mm-hmm. once we get going, because we have a lot of, like, older ladies who live alone who live near us and mm-hmm. 
you know, somebody's got to do it because you see them out there with a shovel and they can't possibly get, you know, that snow was really heavy. We ended up having to push out a mail truck that got stuck. We pushed out a Utica DPW salt truck that got stuck in the corner. that was something. Yeah. That, it, I wish our fellow neighbors would help me out. All oh. our neighbors and the people across the street all have snowblowers. So I'm watching them all, <laughs> all on each side of us, in front of us, using a snowblower, and we're, like, shoveling away. And I'm like, anyone Well, you have to do what the old ladies on our block did. That, like, last year during the storm, the reason we do all their houses now, they would see us out there with a bunch of shovels and the snowblower <laughs> going. And they'd take their sad little shovel and just, like, look all, like, weak and just kind of be out there looking sad. And be like, oh, we'll come over and do it. We can't help but watch. You just got to go out there and look I'll sad bring and bring Kaz shovel. out there and give him a shovel and let see? him stand there. All right, so look, here's the thing. I have no issue with helping these people out. I was very happy to help uh, even our GFOP, Kate Riley, up the street, who was snowed out, all the people mm-hmm. across. I have no problem doing that. My issue is that when we do this, here's what happens. We end up doing that for other people, and then when we bring the snowblower back to the house, it's out of gas, and no one wants to do our driveway, <laughs> right? Our driveway somehow becomes, like, low priority, uh, I would say our driveway first. That's just my only thought. That's my only... Oh, we got most of our driveway. We had plenty of gas. We were ready for that. We were, it's true. We were prepared for that. Uh, and, um, you know, bad news, guys. Uh, Winter Stormwatch, Tuesday night into Wednesday night. Really? Yeah. yeah. Just, just announced it. What's coming? How many, how many inches? I've heard rumors of seven. I'm pulling for 17. <laughs> seven. <Me too. laughs> I am. 17. I don't think that... I think we're out of snow days off at the Utica school system, so... Not me. We make our own snow days. We closed on Friday, which was nice. We just decided, you know, we've got staff that comes in um, from far enough away where it's like there's no point in opening and, you know, having these people risk life and limb and stuff like that, so let's just close and... Yeah, I feel like it was one of those rare moments where, like, almost everybody was closed, even places that were not normally closed. And we did, all right, so we had that moral dilemma that night because we ordered Chinese food late at night, and then we were like, is it cool that we ordered this food and made them deliver it to us in the snowstorm? I guess. I guess. I felt bad, right? (laughs) We were trying to order, like, Chipotle or Panera on our way home from skiing that night too and like nothing was open even mm. those like Moe's everything was closed that night I feel like if you're open and you're out there to make money yeah order like yeah. if you're open right. be open I bet the person delivering your food was have, probably enjoyed when I was way I was younger about. like in high school I delivered pizzas for a while and like I had an SUV so snow was never a big deal and I never minded you know what I mean like you're out there you can make the money and then I assume if I'm working as that delivery guy people are gonna tip you well for coming out mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think it's a, a fine time to order <laughs> delivery food. I mean, I only felt bad, I think, because we had spent the day pushing out postal vehicles and DPW trucks. So I'm like, there's no way that this Chinese delivery driver is going to be able to get up this poorly manicured like street we live on. Your like, really, terrible. really bad in terms of like getting plowed. So uh, I'm glad it was worth it. It did take two hours. They must have been very busy. I'm sure they were killing it that night. Well, it's because Parkinson put in that online order, but, like, it didn't register. Oh, God, I know. I think he sent him, like, an email, and he was surprised why the food wasn't there. (laughs) Yo, send me some food. He didn't want to call. He's like, well, I don't want to call him. It's like, well, no wonder your food's not ready. Like, once Uh, they actually received the order, they were relatively prompt for the weather at hand. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, So, yeah, Snow Adventure was all right. I give it a 7 out of 10. It was okay. I enjoyed it. It was pretty good. It's nice. I'll say one last thing. It was nice to get a snow day on a Friday like that, where your snow day. Yes. Mm-hmm. I would have been much more annoyed if it had been a Sunday and yes. my whole day was spent shoveling when I already had the day <laughs> off. Yeah, it was nice to like go out there and do all that work on Friday and be like, yo, I can like sleep in tomorrow. Well, it's always fun when the timing of the storm comes in like that, where it's happening throughout the day. That's why everybody was closed. It's not like it snowed at mm-hmm. night. 
and you just had to clear it. Like that stuff kept coming. Yeah. After we did all those houses, we got probably another four or five inches. Tune in next week for Snowcast number four, I suppose, of our many snow-based podcasts. We should do a whole no. winter-themed podcast, <laughs> like a secondary show about the trials and tribulations of snow, ice, and winter in the Mohawk Valley. Yeah, that's uh, we're bound to get some listeners. Most people don't know there's many different kinds of snow. Yeah, you, got, you got your sleet, you got your freezing rain. A lot of people think those are the same, but they're not. Uh, then you got your drizzly snow. Then you got your puffy snow. Yeah. Then you got your floaty snow, like in the movies. Anyway. We'll uh, stop right now. Yeah, 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 history lessons. <laughs> yeah. uh, Heather, I really I have to give a special thank you to you. Oh. Uh, you were my personal barista because we <laughs> ran out of coffee. And uh, I needed uh, something to drink, so I made you stop at McDonald's and get me a coffee. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, but not just any coffee. Five sugars and five cream. Five sugars? Because, yes. Can you give me a coffee, five sugars, five creams? And Zach goes, is he, is he playing a joke on you? And I go, I don't think so. Look. Um, of course, yeah. McDonald's is utilitarian coffee. It's not very good. It doesn't have any real flavor on its own merit. This is this is not an enjoyable cup of coffee. This is like a workman's cup of coffee. Like, I gotta get through the next couple hours. I don't think hours. the workmen are using five sugars. <laughs> the guy, and then I ordered ice cream for myself, and he's like, is the ice cream yours too? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't mind you mocking me about my, my overly sweet uh, coffee, which is actually uh, hitting the spot right now. But I will say, you came in here with that ice cream, that hot fudge ice cream, happier than I've ever seen you. And you've had good things happen to you in your life. And yet somehow, this seems to be like the high point of your existence. I already eat bad at home. It was healthy stuff my husband had. Except for when you leave here and then go to I Taco Bell. I, I eat horrible on Mondays. Do you blame us when you go back to the office or, you're, or, you're like, or the office? You go back to your house with your your husband no. and child. You're like, it's Kevin and Sam. They made they me have ice cream. Because I eat it in the car on the way back. <laughs> <laughs> now he knows. Uh, so Kevin, it does seem like you've been back for a long time, but you were not here last week. You were in Florida. I was. How was your time in Florida? Did you I enjoy had a great yourself? time. It was really really nice. Um, I always say with Florida, it's a nice place to visit, a terrible place to live. Um, and I've amended that a little bit. It would be a great place to live if you have a whole bunch of money. True. We were out on the intercoastal and on the channels, like <laughs> going true. to the beach and the ocean. Man, some of these boats mm. that are like, you know, $5 million boats, like the type of yachts you see on TV just going right by them. I can't imagine. It'd be so much fun having one of those and just getting all your people and going out in the ocean for a week. Yeah, I think I'm jaded. Like, again, you were here earlier when I saw a tourism commercial for San Diego, and it made me, like, viscerally angry because all the people were sunny and happy, and I was like, I hate all these people. So I wonder, like, if my no, you life... you would have loved it. You would have leaned right into it. I, yeah, and I'm wondering what my life would be like if I lived in a place that was you constantly, would, like, 75, would, 80 degrees and sunny. You would reignite your Calabrian bronze yes, alter ego right. and just be out there wearing gold chains and tank tops. Have you ever heard about that, Heather, no, my, alter, my other alter ego? Calabrian bronze, when I get too much sun because I'm from... I'm Calabrese. Mm -hmm. I'm from the toe of Italy, and we get a deep tan. Mm -hmm. So uh, when I get a little sunlight, Calabrian bronze makes an appearance. Hopefully, I won't meet. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, you do because it always comes after a long, good day of drinking way too much on a boat in the sun. Yes, yes, doesn't happen as often as it should. Um, all right, so that was a fun ten minutes. Uh, however, I'm woken from our uh, from our enjoyable time by some reality. Uh, since about eleven o'clock this afternoon. I've been getting, I'm on the UC, UK College, uh, email or text chain. So at about 11 o'clock today, I got an email uh, from UK College about the 
active uh, shooting threat or the real incredible shooting threat, which they called it today, I think was the phrasing. And now we've been all over the news today. We were on Fox News and the Washington Post, total opposite ends of the spectrum, still covering us. Um, it looks One of those is for people that can read. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and it seems as though everything is okay. Like, quote unquote, okay. It's, uh, I don't, how much do you guys know about this story about what happened and why? They didn't they really give a lot. Like, they didn't really say much. Um, yeah, I've got the details they put out, but it but sounds nothing, like, like they haven't very put, vague. Like, who it sounds was like it, it, why are they, what, they didn't leave it with anything. It just, it sounds like it might have been somebody like playing a prank or something like that, which is a horrible prank, but I mean, that's better than a real shooter. Mm-hmm. Sure. That's the indication that I've got, but I, you know, I can't say for sure. And that's not even tied with the Camden thing today, then, right? No, there were three different things there around us. Uh, yeah, Camden, mm-hmm. yeah, Camden, Utica College, and Mohawk. Yeah, Mohawk okay. was as well. Yeah. Um, so, certainly, you know, I. I, I've got a lot of. By the way, thank you to everybody who like sent me a message because they knew I was a Utica College student who was like, uh, "Hey, are you like there? Like, I don't work there normally. I'm, my mm-hmm. office is there, but I'm not always there." Uh, but I was, I was very concerned today for my people who were at the office. Oh my even, gosh, yeah, you know, I just can't imagine I, like, what you would do, just being like, or stay in this room for like Keep a couple door hours you or can't whatever. Leave. Well, that's that's what would be frustrating too to be on like a lockdown or something because every instinct I would have would be like, oh, I'm I'm gone, I'm out of here. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I'm leaving. My offices at Utica College are like right next to the door. I would be, <laughs> <it'd> be, <laughs> be like, you know I mean? like literally like two steps from the main door. I'm like I'm out of here. Like I'm. I would be nervous if I went outside. I'd get shot or something. Yes. Just standing there. So I guess I yeah, have to yeah, stay yeah. in my room. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. I'm, I'm trying to get as far away as possible. Like that's. I feel like that's where I would have an issue. Is I would get in trouble for mm. like agitating a little bit to kind of be like, look, I'm, I'm going to leave. Like, no, I'm not going to stay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, for like, sure. No, I'm not staying. Yeah. I'm going to leave. I don't see anybody shooting anything right now. I haven't heard a shot. I'm going to leave before I do. I'm going to go. Well, I have to, like, my kids will ask me questions about this sometimes when we do, like, lockdown drills at school, right? They'll be like, you know, we have, like, a rescue window in your room. Like, you know I mean? In schools, like, especially, like, one floor schools, you have, like, that one window that doesn't have thing in it. You open up, you go right out. It says rescue window on it. It's like every school ever. Really? Yeah, yeah. Every. I don't think I ever it's like a little sticker. Oh, yeah, little stickers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every in every classroom, ever there's one window that's the rescue window that doesn't have like an outer layer of uh, whatever, like uh, screening on it. Yeah. And uh, when my kids ask me, it's like if something happens, is we go out the rescue window, and I had to be like, no, don't go out the rescue window because the rescue window enters into like the like the center area of where all the school like converges. I'm like, that's like a terrible place to go. And that's a crummy conversation to have with, like, a 14-year-old, right? But yeah. it's a sad reality. All too real. Let me ask you a question, and I'm not, you know, like I'm glad that, like, we got some coverage for this in the way that, like, I'm glad that we're taking things like this seriously, although it's always a downer when Utica gets coverage for something like this, or, you know what I mean, or something negative. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that. This is a negative story, I guess. It's negative, negative enough. It's not a positive yeah. story, certainly. Uh, I guess my question: There's a lot of coverage and there's a lot of talk about like gun violence and everything since Parkland. Uh, do you think that there's some? Do you think that all the coverage has some contribution to like a culture of violence? Like, is it bad that we cover this so much and talk about it so much? Is it normalized it for like the kids who hear about it? We have to keep talking about it so that people are ready for it and that we take action against guns and. We keep because if we every time we're quiet and it goes, then something happens again. Then we're like, oh, we're gonna do this. Then we stop and we move on to the next thing. I think you right. have to keep covering it and keep talking about it. But the more and more we cover it and talk about it, and, and the more and more I talk about it with my students, I feel a level of them becoming sort of numb to it in a weird way, right? Like, right. yeah, and that's disheartening too. Yeah. Like, I was like, I want you to still have that concern. Like, I don't like that. 
we have a conversation about it, and you're like, okay, back to Minecraft. Do you know what I mean? Like, what? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's disconcerting. I think it would be different if I was back at the high school. Those kids would probably have a little more of a nuanced take on it. I think it's still, for younger kids than that, it's a little yeah. hard to swallow, but... Um, yeah, I, I think you're right. Like, I'm not. I'm not saying we don't. No. We don't keep covering it, but I but think it's important to give some weight to how we cover it, yeah, and yeah. the tone with which we cover it. You know, you can cover these things to your blue in the face, but don't cover it in a way that glorifies and makes a folk hero and makes the the shooter's name a household name. You know what I mean? Like, you look at you know the two kids from Columbine and like the way that they cover those kids and they talk about it, like in the perverse way that the media works, it almost makes them stars. And it makes it gives these you know people who are maybe on the fence for doing something crazy like this, gives them some aspirational thing like ah they'll never forget my name like I've been downtrodden upon but they'll never forget my name if I do this and I think it's important to forget these people's names yes but I also think it's important to not take our eye off the ball in the fact that this stuff happens and we have to find a better way as a culture to respond to it you know what I mean so I think the real answer is covering it you know honestly and with some care and some forethought. Uh, in spite of all these school shootings and the current like state of uh, the state of unsettled uh, unsettlement, I guess you would call like the state of the gun debate in this country right now, has not stopped the NRA and particularly my least favorite person on the planet right now, uh, Dana Loesch. I don't know if you guys have seen her on TV. She's the NRA's female spokesman oh, yeah. lady. Uh, I'm not going to get too far into her, but I will say this: I almost made her my "I'm done with this guy" for the week because I'm so tired of having to. The NRA thing is super weird. Like, I, I don't really want to get into it because I'm not sitting here, like, I'm not going to get into a debate a about whether or not that, yeah, I'm not going to do a whole thing about that, but uh, it's it's weird that, like, a lot of times when these things happen, like, there's a response to it and then it goes away. Since the Parkland thing, and I think it's because the kids and the students have taken such an active role in the way it's been handled, it does seem like the conversation has lasted longer again this time. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Which, it's in the everyday, which every is probably a, g- a good thing in the long run, mm-hmm. right? Like, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. One hundred percent should never be to. Yeah, yeah. it's it's unquestionably a good yeah, thing. I it's feel. good. Yeah. All right. Um, also, uh, there's a, a common theory about violence and video games. Have you talked? Have you ever heard of this theory? Like, video games make I kids violent. I did hear a lot about this in 1996. <laughs> in 96, right, when Mortal Kombat came out. I did, but certainly we've settled that, so nobody in a position of power would go back to that old beaten and debunked hobby horse, would they? No. Oh, no. Well, I don't think so. <laughs> you would think so. But uh, wait. <laughs> uh, so, almost as quickly as it came together, uh, Donald Trump's video game summit that he was planned uh, seems to be falling apart. Last week in the aftermath of the school shootings in Florida that killed 17, Trump held a meeting on school safety where he said, uh, we have to look at the internet because a lot of the bad things are happening to young kids and minds, and also video games. He threw that in there at the very end, like, and also video games. Um, So at an official press briefing yesterday, uh, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who's the worst, announced that they are actually planning to meet next week with the leaders of the video game industry to see what they can do on this front, Okay. Here's the thing. None of the leaders of the video game industry, the Electronic Software Association, which includes companies like Microsoft, Electronic Arts, Nintendo, the ones that matter, they're not aware of this. No one's been invited. No one's been brought into this meeting. More lies. Well, it's because it's not a thing. This guy just like says the first thing that pops into his head. Okay, so I have two theories on this, and and I'm going to defend him in this theory, oh, okay? Right. Defend who? Well, he said, because Donald Trump said that he's going to invite the leaders of the video game industry. My thought is that he is just like, 
All right, get Pac-Man on the phone and Donkey Kong and give me those two and give me those two plumbers and that blue rat and I'll I'll, I'll get this and I'll get this all set up right now. You can get them all in a room. I'll give them however many coins or rings, whatever it is they need. But I can make this happen. You know what I'm saying? And that's my one theory that he called all the wrong people. Um, yeah, like Mario. My, my, other, my other theory, and this is just a, a, a if the video game industry really wanted to get around this they would just do the same thing that the NRA does, which is lock Donald Trump in a room with them and have him play video games for like 10 hours, and then he'll just come out and be like, you know what, I talked to these video game people, they're great, that Grand Theft Auto is a hell of a game. Let me tell you, we should have, everyone should have video games. Mr. Trump sounds like Bernie Sanders. <laughs> they all kind of roll together now. Uh, oh. So yeah, I think that, I, I read this story Maybe earlier when today. When he says leaders in the video game industry, he means like all the like 4chan like trolls that <laughs> play nothing but like video games all day and are hanging out in the basement wherever right, it was. Like World of Warcraft Maybe people. those are the video game leaders. He did say something that was a great idea. He said we should get a rating system together for movies and games. Oh, that's yeah. a good so idea. So if we start rating them so people know if there might be like some content in there. So <laughs> that's, you know. Rated. This would have been a better idea. Oh, that's right. Oh, <laughs> they are. <laughs> this, this is a good idea, but it would have been a better idea in 1966. So Dude, um, I died laughing when this idiot said he wants to take all the guns. All the guns. <laughs> Take them all. Every time, it just gets funnier. Huh. Just, it's it, sad, but it yeah. gets funnier. It's, it's one of those things where you yeah. just watch, you We're know, the people who are the diehard it. defenders' head spins. Like, wait, what? What? And it's like all the people who are like, Obama's gonna take your guns. It's like, yeah, Obama, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Obama, that's who. <laughs> uh, speaking of, uh, well, let's move away from national politics. Yes. And I wasn't going, Bye-bye. I wasn't going to talk about uh, Claudia Cinney this week. Uh, I will. <laughs> but Kevin. <laughs> You seem uh, like you'd like to... Uh, we Claudia, <coughs> we missed you last week, by the yeah. way. Uh, so earlier this week, uh, Claudia Tinney announced that she'd be running for re-election in 2018. A lot of people are su- are not surprised by this. I kind of was. I'm after, not. They don't, she doesn't no, get it. They chance. don't get it. My <laughs> thought was going to be that she would just accept a position on Trump's team because then she could just not... No, she's a condition. nobody. They don't. Um, they don't get it. <laughs> she's a nobody. She's a wannabe. She doesn't have a high enough profile for him to <laughs> offer her a position. Yeah, but she's a loyalist. So is it, yeah, so are all the rest of these like bootlickers. Uh, she's still very like bottom of the food chain. Keep it going. Well, she she announced that she's going to have a election bid. There was some protesters out there. People were getting some coverage for that, but that's kind of to be expected. Good. They're out there every week. Hopefully, there's more next time. Uh. Here's her quote. First of all, we're going to continue the progress that we have already made on the tax plan. So if you guys feel good about the progress tax plan, keep it up. Uh, big issues to make the tax reform permanent and to get some bipartisan support from the Democrats. Uh, her opponent, Anthony Brindisi, said in a statement, we are looking forward to a spirited debate on who the best candidate will be to protect middle-class families, their health insurance, their Social Security, and Medicare. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to a potential debate. Will it be a debate between these two? No. Uh, probably not. No. I would love it. No. It would be so amazing. He, he's ready. No, there's no, there's no chance. She's a coward. They're not going to debate. She's. I have two things that that I wanted to talk about because I guess you guys talked about it last week when she a said that shooters turn out to be Democrats. I sort of saved it for you. Like she, that, what a what a gaslighting coward, like idiot thing to say. Like it's just filtering, like trying to turn yourself into like one of those like Fox News like attack dogs. It's just it's yeah. so dumb and disingenuous, and it really goes to show the character of the person at the helm here. Then furthermore, when she had her little party at Cavallo's to announce that she was going to run again. Oh yeah. Um, that the the hunger for the power still consumes what's left of the soul. I think <laughs> it's very eloquent. There was also they asked there was a KTV reporter who asked a couple times was trying to get to the bottom 
you know, asking a question that she was sort of dancing around, wouldn't give an answer to, and she just yelled, she shouted fake news at the reporters. Like, that's just fake news. I answered it's fake news to duck and dodge the question. That's the caliber of person we're talking about here. Like, you can't answer a question. You're just turning, like, a fake news caricature, almost like you're playing a part or, like, you're doing a bit or something like that, but you're not, and you have no business representing this great district in the halls of Congress, and so we need to vote this woman out. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's all there is to it. Like, it's just, what an, it's an embarrassment. I don't know. I'll be embarrassed if she if she was reelected. I would be so embarrassed for where I, everything. <laughs> well, you gotta, you yeah. have to look at the district. The I thing know. is, the district is so big. So, I like, know. it's not, you know. I know it's not just here, but it's mm-hmm. so frustrating. Yeah. <sighs> you know, in times like this, it's important to remember uh, that there are politicians you can feel good about and that you can trust, including uh, our guest interview this week uh, for episode 141. Uh, he is the one one of the few people I feel very proud to call president. President of the City of Utica Common Council, our good friend Michael Galimi, returns to the show. Uh, it's always happy to have him here. Uh, so let's go to our interview with him. We'll be back in just a moment. You're feeling stressed out. You're feeling overworked. Uh, everything squashed. 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 Can I say it's funny? I you know working in the education uh, in the education sector, I feel like since Christmas. Why don't you do this? Don't make this part of the interview, but oh. record our banter. That's what I'm doing. I always do. Oh, perfect. Because awesome. <laughs> I like that. Like when I record, like yeah, yeah. when I, when we're in the studio, yeah, yeah, yeah. like with music stuff, I always like have record on. If like I'm noodling, because then what if I accidentally write something? I'm glad you said that because one of the questions I had written down here uh, was I was curious if you've been having time to play music at all. Um, not really. I'm it's be tough, isn't with it? You. <laughs> it's tough as you get older. No, uh, you know, I mean, I'm busy, and I kind of, um, I segued. Into I took a little break because Eric Petrello mm. moved, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And then I got pretty heavy into politics, literally. Yeah. I mean, I don't like to call it politics. I wanted to, you know, like more like civic duty. Civic duty, yeah, I like that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> mm. But um, that's kind of taken the place. The only thing I've really been doing is here and there we'll play a job with my father's band still. Yeah, yeah. Holiday. Yeah, yeah. So we did a cool Christmas party and the normal summer jobs, and uh, been doing that thing with Rick Sicaro, the uh, my horn. Oh, nice. Which, that's something I haven't done in a long time. Just played just saxophone, and that's kind of fun. You know, it's funny. I was thinking about that last week. I've not played a saxophone probably in God going on a decade, but I used to play every day when I was playing like high school and like exactly. afterwards. I wonder. I don't even know what my skill level would be now if I picked it up. I'm sure it's like riding a bike a little bit, right? Like once I figured out how to hit the reed again, I feel like I'd fall. Well, you're right back you're like it. a musician, right? That's a good point. So, yeah, at heart, I feel like I am. Well, sometimes. no. So that's yeah. the point. Like once you have that, um, it's not even a skill set. Once you have that feel, yeah, that's a good point. You pick it back up. Yeah, it's true. You know. 
The know, reading part is what you lose. I, and that's great for me because I actually never really knew how to oh. read. That's something your dad used to give me a hard time about. Was like he would like he'd be like play a G. I'm like which one's that? What is that three on the A? Well, that's I mean? much to my family's <laughs> chagrin. That's how I am in the guitar as well. Uh, <laughs> I've been in many music stores playing something. They're like, can you show me that? What what chord is that? And I'm like, oh man, I'm really sorry. Yeah, I, uh, I'm like I Phoebe don't. on that episode of Friends. No. I'm like, I think it's Dragon Claw or Grizzly Bear. I forget which one. But the horn though, I want to tell you something. A lot, you know, it's it's. The biggest thing for me, I had, um, actually, I was flipping through an old calendar. Sure. Because one of Lena's, my daughter Lena, yeah, yeah. one of her um, uh, dance colleagues, even though they're eight, um, needed a briefcase <laughs> for a dance routine, so I let them borrow my briefcase, yeah, and yeah. Jody emptied it out, and one of the things was a calendar hmm. from the band Charlie hmm. that I used to do all the booking out of yeah, from yeah. 2009, and there was two things in there. There was the Uptown Get Down. I get that. I love it. It was a great time. Right. And my neck operation. When I had the metal plate put in my <laughs> oh neck. God, I right. That. Well, so I stopped playing the saxophone. Mm, yeah. And that was the most frustrating thing in the world when I tried to come back to it. And that's mm. what you were basically saying. Mm. I had basically uh, built up a skill set where I was playing classical concertos. Mm. And going and playing in churches. And, you know, doing all that kind of stuff. I was studying at Eastman. Right. Had that neck operation, basically I didn't play for three years. I just totally put the horn in a case. I came back and it was the reading yeah. that really went away. Because oh, yeah, yeah. I can still play my horn. You know what's oh. funny? I, I, this is my one of my favorite... If there's any listeners out there, I still can't sight read. But the best <laughs> of them, it's the concertos. <laughs> uh, I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you two, two last music ones because I want to. I got to ask you another question too. Uh, one... I would say that with music, I grew up playing because I would like listen to music and like try and play the songs I heard. Right. So I remember in like in MBCC, I was like taking courses and electives, and one of the electives that popped up was music theory. I'm like, right. I'll just take this and I'll get an easy A because I already know how to play guitar. I'm in a nah, band. Yeah, not oh, an I easy I bombed a. out of it so so hard. <laughs> it was one of the worst things. Uh, it was one of the worst performances I've ever done in a class. I was like really, really embarrassed for it. Well, um, yeah, but you tried. I you did, did try, it. and I failed. <laughs> I got a C minus. <laughs> did you drop out? No, I got my degree. I got my diploma. No, of the my... of the class. I never dropped out of a class. Very rarely. Nice. Yeah. Well, no. Did I ever do maybe a math one that I knew was gonna fail? So I was like, let me drop out. And I'll come back around to well, it Well, those later. are the ones where, like, you go to the, the registrar's office, and they're like, look, here's what you should do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, listen, here's what you need to do. This is the best-case scenario yeah. for you. Drop this, and we'll yeah. come back around to it. Exactly. Uh, and the other one is, I've, I think I've talked about this with your uh, your sister before, okay. who I'm very close with. But uh, as a guy who still... How close are you with my sister? No. <laughs> no. It's funny. Uh, I was talking to Heather, on our, our co-host on the show. Heather was. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, she was laughing about how when... You know, she's a little bit older than me, and she's gonna be mad at me for saying that. But she's like, yeah, when we were younger, Julia was younger than us, so we would like avoid her and be kind of mean to her when we were hanging out. <laughs> and I was like, see, that's different for me because Julia was my age, so I, she wasn't the young one. But um, I always tell her, and I, I've talked to Kevin about it before. As a musician, I think about like my favorite times ever performing with other people. And number one was playing a Ben Folds Five song. You guys probably remember this. I do. At uh, the Valley Brook. You guys played Jackson Cannery and you yep. were nice enough to ask me to come up on stage and play with you guys. And I do remember that. One of my one of the highlights of my music career, like playing with other people, like a lot of fun, like great time. And I still think about that all the time. Cool, man. That's awesome. That's a good memory. It is a good memory. That's a good memory. Because I one, Valley Brook was awesome. Two, <sighs> I love playing Ben Folds. 
underrated. Which, which right? no one ever played Ben Folds. We did a lot of Ben Folds. <laughs> well, you, guys had, you guys had a lot of tools in your arsenal that a lot of other bands didn't have. True, true. Um, We've True. we've gone six minutes and I've yet to introduce, of course, uh, our longtime GFOP uh, president of U Common Council, Michael Glamy. Always a pleasure to have you back again, sir. Yes, I actually very nice. owe you a trophy. I don't have any more a trophies trophy? at the moment. Yeah, because you've been on the show two times, which means you're now a member of the Uticast infamous Two Timers Club. Nice, uh, along the with deuce. yeah, the deuce. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I do owe you a trophy, so I'll have to put you on the list. Uh, and I do have lots of questions I want to ask you because there's a lot of uh, seems like a very vibrant time in our city. Lots of it is. exciting uh, and potentially uh, important issues going up. There are uh, a couple of things I want to get into you very quickly though. Uh, how did you handle this week's uh, surprise snowstorm? Are you all right? Did you get snowed in at all? Uh, I was. I started the snowstorm in Texas. Oh, there you go. You were in Austin. Okay. That's right. Yeah, Went yeah, yeah. to Austin, Texas Tuesday, and I actually booked flights back mm. Friday morning. Oh, okay. And, must have been a lot of fun. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> I did not have one delay. Really? And I flew right into Syracuse as if nothing was happening. <laughs> That's outrageous. Uh, I figured I was all that right. It happened in normal weather. Well, I was flying back from Charlotte, so I'm like, yeah. you know what? As long as the plane is in Charlotte, I bet yeah. they'll fly it to Syracuse. Yeah. And uh, I won that bet. <laughs> And I made it back. <laughs> have you ever been to Austin before that? Yes. Uh, I've never been. It's one of my bucket lists. I'd like to go see it. I'm very curious about it. It's a good time. Downtown Austin's awesome. Um, where the company I work for is in a place called the Arboretum. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is, which, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. it's it's the normal concrete jungle, like, um, suburbanite, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's like Starbucks, Trader Joe's, and uh, West Elm in a row followed by a hotel and then the company I work for type of thing. Um, but um, I like to either stay downtown, okay, or uh, if I have to stay close because I'm running back and forth to the office, I always get out in downtown Austin. It's awesome. If you haven't been there, it's a good time. You just stay downtown and just go see live music. Well, that's always what I that's what I associate with Austin is the idea of just like this vibrant sort of live music scene. Um I also wonder sometimes if that's sort of overblown the way that, like, when I was living in Brooklyn, like, living down there was, like, theoretically a little overblown if it was, like, a thing. Uh, no, I don't think it is. Mm. I mean, when we were acquired um, three years ago, they asked me to move to Austin. Mm. And I was like, no. You know, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Yeah, no, no, here's what's gonna happen. If you really want me to keep working for you, I want to keep the office in Utica, and they did that. Mm. But one of the things I told them, and they thought I was kind of kidding, but I wasn't. I said, if I move to Austin, I'll only be an engineer for six months. Mm. Because, <laughs> yeah, right, I'll be because, gone, yeah. because I'll be, I'd be able to make a living with music. Yeah. Um, and just because we're going to talk about it after the break, um, the Oscars were last night. I don't know if you watched it or... Uh, I did not have a chance. Did you see any Ask of anyone. the Oscar movies that, you, that were nominated this year? Did you, did you like anything? Um, I don't think that I did. I had a, I only saw one. I know so it sounds under, terrible, but... I saw Get Out on HBO. That was the only thing I saw this whole year. Yeah, I haven't so. I haven't seen much. I'm watching, like, decade-old series that, you know, on Netflix that I, you Oops. know... I'll save that one for later. I got <laughs> questions coming up for that in just a moment. Uh but of course, uh, Michael Galimi, uh, a lot of people around these parts know you best as Common Council President currently. At this juncture. At this juncture. At this um, juncture. There's a, Again, like we were saying, there's a lot of really, uh, like, it, it's a very vibrant time, very exciting time, mm-hmm. and uh, potentially important time. Uh, and this sort of happened today, and I'm just going to ask you, before we get too far into it, um, 
you have parents who grew up in the education background, as did I. Oh, yeah. Uh, there was that Utica College lockdown today situation. Well, there was, you know what's crazy is Utica College was locked down, mm. but uh, my wor- my wife works in New York Mills. They were on lockout. Lockout, yeah, we were now as that's, well. Yeah. You know, that's something interesting to know the difference on mm. uh, when you hear that in the news. Oh, yeah. Uh, lockout basically means um, you can leave, but you can't come back in. Right. Lockdown right, right, right. is no in, no out. Yeah. yeah, we were in lockdown today at, at my work. And, yep. uh, or lockout, I'm sorry, pardon me. Yeah, we were in lockout. Yeah. And uh, what I thought was interesting was how quickly the kids, like, threw off their back. Like, we're in lockout, okay, whatever, back to life. It's like, really? That's kind of disheartening. Maybe it doesn't bother you guys more, but... I think that's yeah. one of the larger issues, I think. People are becoming desensitized, desensitized to yeah. exactly. really, really um, mm. strong issues that should mm. affect you. I mean, yeah, on. no, it's true, and I think that you, I, we, we just debated this actually. Like, you want to make sure that we, you are covering all the stuff that's happening to make sure that people are getting the information. But like, you wonder if all this stuff in the media and the culture, nonstop, twenty four seven news cycle, it's got to have some um, effect. Everything is news, so nothing is news. Exactly. And unfortunately, that's, that's how our point. kids are growing up. It's terrible. It's a world of oversaturation. I always go back. There's this uh, really excellent uh, Ken Robinson, uh, uh, Sir Ken Robinson, an education guy, uh, TED Talk, where he talks about like we kids live in this time in the world where it's the most overstimulating time of the world. We have like cell phones and TV and video games and all these things and apps and phones that all want your attention, and then we are like, no, stop looking at these and pay attention to stuff that you don't think is important anymore, right? Like it's mm-hmm. right? and it's t- it's like there's it does feel. Like, there's a huge gap between... Well, I'll tell you what it is, and it's disturbing to watch. It's almost like this weird mix of complacency and addiction at the same time. Yes. Yes. Okay. That's a really astute point, actually. I've seen it, (laughs) and even in adults, you see it. Well, yeah, especially when when teaching children, you see it. Yeah. Uh, Because when saturated with all that technology, they're not actually engaged. They're They're just switched off. Yeah, and they like it. But it's also, like, all very numbing to the rest of the exactly. world. Exactly. Numbing, right? But then if it's off or it's taken away, it's yes. clearly oh yeah, a, uh, a situation that oh. is not handled well. I mean, I've seen kids, I've seen kids in real life curse out teachers and administration for taking their phone, like, right. losing their mind. Right. It's, and that's the addiction part. Right and there. it's where it wakes you up. Like, you, you watch that and you're like, oh, man, I didn't. And it's funny, too, because you, you look at the numbers, and there's, like, I think there's a number that says, like, even, like, the average person looks at their phone some outrageous amount of time, like, 80-something times a day. And mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. You wonder if it's all interconnected, right? Maybe it's all, it just, it feels like a different world than it was 25 years ago. I hate to sound like an old man, like, yelling at the clouds, but it really does feel different now. Well, we can sound like old men, because it is different now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you, let's uh, let's pull it back to uh, some more local issues here. Uh, what would you say in your mind? There's a lot of stuff going on. People are very, uh, there's a very contentious discussion about downtown hospital. We've had a lot yeah. of folks on here talking about it. Uh, a lot of people talking about the term limits. A lot of people talking about the upcoming uh, 2018 elections. Mm-hmm. What would you say is the most pressing issue in Utica, in your opinion, right now? Rather than um, mention term limits or the hospital or the U District sure. or yeah, yeah. I do list a couple more. Five S. <laughs> yeah, any, okay. any, any um, on topic. You issue. know, let's let's go. I think uh, the actual pressing issue locally mm. right now is lack of trust in accountability mm-hmm. that's, that's a great point that's I think why everything is becoming so divisive mm. 
Um, not only because uh, people assume there's a lack of accountability, there's been blatant, um, you know, outing where, you know, things are being skipped process-wise. Yeah. Um, and, and people don't like that. And I really think that if we want to really instill, I guess this goes further than local as far as sure. how I feel about government. It's all kind of interconnected, though. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It, everything everything starts locally because that's where we live first, right? And that's where the, the impacts are felt the most right. on the local levels, right? When you can make those kind of changes. Right. So yeah. the biggest problem, I know the OD keeps hitting on this, is like how to get people to um, not work together, but have a discussion. It's hard because there's a feeling of like, there's almost this intense tribalism feeling of like you're either one side or the other, and if you don't like... You can't get past it now the way you could 10 years ago. Right. Years ago. But that's because elected leaders are moving further and further away from being statesmen and truly being politicians. And politicians are elected lobbyists. All right. And that's what people don't want. And when people like what they're doing, it's completely saturated love for the politician. Exactly. And when they feel they don't like what they're doing, hmm. it's complete anger and angst and just turmoil. And the thing that bothers me is I don't want my elected leaders to necessarily do what I like. I want to trust that they're making the decisions that are right for what their position is. And that's right. what's missing. That's what's missing right now. Well, I think from a national level, I think what scares people sometimes is that you look at the decisions that people make and you're like I don't think you're making this decision based on your beliefs you're doing it based on pressure from like outside right. like, lobbyists right? and, and that <clears throat> with the local issues yeah, yeah. to bring it back to the local issues that's basically what my problem has been over the past mm. couple of years sure. I don't necessarily want to choose the direction of something right I want to ensure that there's some kind of accountability to the process that's in place mm. And I have to say, um, with things like the hospital, hmm. it hasn't been followed. Okay, hmm, it fair. just hasn't. I think no, I think that's a, um, I think that's a common criticism yeah. that people feel. And I think in a town like in a city town, city like Utica, which I think for a long time had a reputation for being a sort of like uh, handshake deal type city in like the sixties, seventies, whatever. Right. I think there's a mentality that whatever <clears throat> and people are more aware and more scrutinizing now because we have more access to politicians than we did 20, 30 years ago. So when we see something that seems like backsliding, people are much more willing to be like, oh, yep, see, like typical Utica politics, right? It's a very easy thing to call back on um, because there is that sort of hangover mentality. Of it is, right. but I, I also think that it is creeping back in. You think so? Really? Yeah, yeah, I do. Mm. <laughs> That's part of the reason I wanted to get on the other side was to see how things work. Yeah. Um... You know, another big thing for me was watching the Face Street Warehouse come down. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's before I really made my venture into um, government. Mm-hmm. And a big part of the reason I wanted to jump in was I saw working downtown. Actually, I've been downtown now for 10 years, a whole decade, yeah. you know, with my full time job, which is cool. Um, I watched the private sector really finally 
pitch the vision towards downtown again. Right. Towards urbanism. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that was something I always wanted to do since I was a kid. That's why I ended up working downtown. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, but it was great. And when the Face Street Warehouse came down, that was basically the beginning of that Route 12 project. Mm -hmm. And there was a direction for the city. And that direction wasn't a direction that was chosen by uh, political uh, position. Right, that right, direction right. wasn't chosen by, um, you know, the, uh, I'm trying to think of the word, you know, it's late. Story of my life. But, uh, <laughs> it is late. Right, yeah, it's yeah, late. yeah we're, both, we're both here, it's like 11 o'clock, but um, no, a government policy decision did not decide, Right. okay, that uh, direction that the city was in, and the state of the city was basically, um, you know, a bunch of small businesses starting up and closing and starting up and closing over the past 15 years. You're talking about, like, the invisible hand of the market, like, work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We were really positioned to do well right. then, hmm. okay, before that MV500 proposal, before the before a lot of the, the, the new government influence came in. Um, so if you really think about it, you know, Route 12 was being rebuilt. At that point, the whole pitch of that project was to clean up and revitalize the Court Street, uh, Lafayette Street, Columbia Street intersections. Mm -hmm. uh, at that time, you had the Brewery District really coming online. Yeah. At the exact same time, and this is this is four years ago. You had you know eight to ten years of development on Genesee Street that was coming together, and then after Pioneers Hockey was like taking insane hold, you had Rob Esch come in at, with the Comets. Yeah. Okay. Then, the wave. Yeah, yeah, and then keep that going. You know, you had Bag Square come back alive with, with Frank Elias in the coffee shop. You know, yeah. Utica Roasting, uh, Taylor and Cook. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. And then Franklin Square. You had all this stuff going on. And there was really a convert ocean blue, right? Yeah. Everything was converging on the central business district. And, I mean, the reality is, and I think this is where a lot of the strife comes from, our government picked a different direction. Hmm. They, didn't, they didn't consider the state of the city yeah. um, when they picked that direction. And that's where a lot of the frustration comes from. That's why um, I've been so frustrated. Hmm. And the reality is, go back to the accountability, the process. Hmm. We have processes within our government systems to vet that. And kind of have some kind of um, accountability to that to make sure that if the hospital should go downtown, mm. it's the right thing to do. If it shouldn't, it shouldn't. But that was all skipped. Yeah. I guess that's, I think that seems to be the biggest uh, That's the point biggest for a sticking lot point. Of people is that it didn't feel like anyone was connected in the decision who wanted to be right like it felt like it was out of our hands right so the people who live here and what you, you well know. if you think about it a lot of things most things are, are out of our hands. hands yeah exactly they really right. are yeah. and it's okay um but it, it's different than out of our hands mm. um you know the, the the project was just applied for yeah you know february 2nd yeah. is when the actual oneida county lvc reviewed the application mm. um and What's crazy is they finally had to write down what they're going to do. Yeah. And for over two years now, it's been a promotional effort to push it. Mm. Prior to that, that to me 
Um, and I'm, I'm really trying to be positive about everything. Sure, of course. Okay. It's not but, always easy. Well, it's not easy yeah. because, I mean, I've been on the side of asking for that accountability, and it's not easy because I've been getting, you know, pressured hard for trying to demand that accountability. But essentially what you have is a big business that spent two years trying to convince the public that they should be allowed to do something on property they didn't own. And, you know, a lot of people are convinced it's the right thing to do because it's it's a hospital. And there's all kinds of reasons. Sure. Okay, it's healthcare. But at the very fundamental, you know, base of that, any other company, I've, I mean, seriously, yeah. they spent two years paying a firm in the news you know, holding forums about a downtown hospital that was going to be built. And it wasn't on property they owned. I just, I just, I, I was never comfortable with that. I, I, I couldn't stand the fact that they were doing that. Um, and they had all the influence, all the power and all the money to be upfront about it. You know, all they had to do was go shake hands with all the property owners and the business yeah. owners. And they didn't. Yeah, do it. that was uh, last week on the podcast. We had uh, Rachel uh, Dortry, uh, Rachel Daughtry from Compassion right, Coalition, right. and she and she was. Yeah, I don't want to dwell on it yeah, because yeah. it's such a you know this this. Uh, I mean, you, I mean, I did that video a year ago. Yeah, calling out a lot of these questions. Yeah, exactly. and saying, look, this is one of the largest, amazing projects the community could ever have. Yeah, why are we turning this into absolute turmoil? So Rachel Daughtry, as you were saying. No, I'm just saying it's it's funny because you know for the most part, and I've, I've said it, I don't have a quote unquote like dog in this race. Like, right. I, I've always said that I think that that area, that Lafayette Street, Columbia Street, when I used to drive down there years ago, I was like, man, this place is a wreck. Right. Like, and it, and I don't know what you could ever put down here. Like what one business, what one thing you could put down here that's going to drag people down here, mm-hmm. where they're going to come back here for one thing, despite the fact that this is one of the worst like looking. Well, that's one of the most misunderstood things. Yeah, yeah. There were people mm. going down there yeah. over and over again mm. to shop a lot of those businesses right. that were down there. Um, you know, but that's, unfortunately, this is something that we're at the tail end of this now. Right. Yeah. You know, and, you know, I have this conversation with people all the time. And even if it's two-sided for me, yeah. one, I want to stand up for, you know, constitutional property rights mm-hmm. and, you know, fair process. And yes, the hospital's a private business and the people own that land are private. No one should stand in the way of them buying that, right? Right. But I also believe that it's absolutely wrong that the government worked with that other business. Mm-hmm. Right. Makes sense. In marginalizing the other people so that they could buy that land. Okay. But then the second thing is um, how to redevelop an area. Okay. Let's talk about that for a second. Sure. What is the... if, and if think, think of this like civically minded. This isn't like, okay, how cool can it be? But if you're going to create um, a neighborhood that can support the city as far as tax base goes and contribute and pay their fair share so that it distributes the tax levies... Uh, or the tax load across the levy properly so that, you know, uh, your residential people aren't bearing, you know, the entire burden. Right. What's the hardest thing to do if you had an area 
that was completely desolate, which the, the central business district wasn't. But right, what's, right. The, what's the hardest thing to do when you, when you want to redevelop an area? Uh, create walking space, walking traffic, uh, facilitate uh, affordable housing in the area, someplace that people can actually afford. Like, that's what drives me. I think about the loft thing is a big issue for me. It's like, why would I want to spend all this money when I could, like, why are we not paying for affordable housing? So for me, I would say finding some sort of uh, useful way to revitalize the walkability of that downtown area and find mm-hmm. things for people to do once they're down there. Right. Uh, and also to find a reason for people to spend more time down there. Right, well, that's, yeah. that's the easy part. Yeah. Okay. Mm. The hard part of redeveloping an area yeah. is to bring in core businesses right. that are post-pilot taxpayers mm. that can actually contribute towards the revenues that then pay for the things you're discussing. Mm-hmm. The sidewalks, the streetscapes. Yeah. Um, you know, the maintenance. And what's crazy is that's what we're walking away from. That's what we walked away from. Yeah. You know, we had a bunch of people happy to be there, paying taxes for decades. Yeah. And um, there were, actually, I kind of, the hospital was the alternative. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we, we had a clear path to create the walkable spaces. Yeah. Uh, we had a clear path to, um, you know, rebuild those parking garages that we already have and really service the odd. That's that's the other thing. Yeah. Um, I really saw coming together a catalyst to get Hotel Utica and the odd and a lot of these different places like Ocean Blue. Mm. They're nicer-looking neighborhood, as they want to see, yeah. a lot quicker than the timetable we currently have, mm. which is still six years out. But it's an interesting conversation. Mm. Uh, so where do we go from here is the question. What do you think? I mean, I've gone a couple different ways with this whole with this whole thing. I mean, it's been a very popular topic of discussion. Uh, I've had people on both sides. I I would be more. I was more pro downtown hospital when I felt like the businesses that were there were going to be fairly compensated for mm-hmm. the businesses they created. I don't necessarily think that's going to happen in hindsight. Right. Well, that's yeah. so that's the accountability. Yeah. If, um, if they had to follow the secret process yeah. from the point where they applied for the mm-hmm. project, mm-hmm. those questions would have to be asked. But I guess on a broad sense, I still feel like I like the idea of building new uh impactful things in Utica in a place that I feel like for me for a long time felt like a place that needed revitalization. And again, that's just from... I, I right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's, it's probably the most divisive issue for me. Well, what if that I, wasn't yeah. the only way? What if there were clear alternatives that were just squashed, not listened to, ignored? What if we could have supported those taxpayers, uh, created those walkable streetscapes, literally just acted on the renderings that were given to us when they blew up the Bay Street Warehouse. <laughs> That's, yeah. you know, but we are where we are. Um, and uh, how do we move forward, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So so here's the issue. This, is, this was my point that I was trying to go back to. Let's say they, um, and look, I'm an engineer. Mm. I literally build things for a living. Sure. And when you want to build something and make it actually come to fruition, you do have to plan for all the issues that are going to come up. Mm-hmm. You do have to create a plan. And the reality is, 
let's say they do convince all the businesses to move, mm-hmm. and they do have some place to go. There's still a funding gap. Yeah. Okay, that, that's a reality that we need to understand and just deal with. Not, I'm not trying to be against the hospital. Sure. But we, we, well, there's nuanced, funding gap. It's a nuanced issue. It's not always just you're for or against something. It's right, well, and that's the thing. I don't want to be for or against the hospital. I want us to make an appropriate decision. There's a difference. Okay, so, look, it, let's say you convinced everyone to leave, right? That's me, like, okay, private property, this and that, okay, fine. Mm-hmm. They make deals with everybody. Yeah. Even if every single business is, yeah. is happy. Yeah. Unfortunately, for me, I still don't believe it was the right decision right. for Utica, New York. <clears throat> um, and that is me. That's Mike Galimi. That's, yeah. that's my take yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah, your take, yeah. Okay, um, it's, you know, if you take, if we fast forward, I'm concerned for the city of Utica because if we have the hospital, mm-hmm. um, I love the comments. I think Rob Ash has done an excellent yeah. job with the odd. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, if whatever comes to fruition with this U district that they're discussing now, those are all circles of public money. Mm-hmm. And how will we sustain that's that's the question. Show me how we'll sustain, um, because right now our tax dollars are paying for quite a bit, yeah. and you don't have to be accountable. <laughs> well, you should be, but government is never accountable to P and L statements, ROI, any of that. Um, and I'm not saying government should necessarily be run like a business because mm. business is cutthroat. Yeah. Okay, it's not. Uh, right for the government to be cutthroat Mm. but i think you know if the government wants to play ball in things that are public private investment we need to start taking a hard look at how much tax dollars we're spending and when to draw the line and what the purpose of that money was in the first place so i don't know how long have you been doing the comic council thing now two years two years now. a little over two uh let me ask you this question. I'm not asking you to state your goals or anything, but have you thought about like, your future in terms of what you'd like to do? You, you have, like, uh, would you like to move higher up, or is it something you haven't really thought about at this point in time? I know it's kind of a loaded question. I don't it's, expect, well, it's yeah. not loaded. I mean, yeah. it's not loaded. Yeah. It's obvious. Yeah. If you get into mm. government, yeah. you're going to have some kind of aspirations. Sure. So you're not. Um, I'm saying you're not. Like, you're not like you do this. You're like ah, I've done after a while. Like, this isn't what I thought it was gonna be. You, you like doing the. You like being a part of it. I think right. I do. I really like yeah. being a part of it. Yeah. Um, locally, uh, at this point, you know my thought process does not jive with almost any of the elected leaders locally. It's kind of good though, in a certain way. It is good, and that's why I don't want to stop. Yeah. But being that, like, lone person hmm. who has that different way of thinking... It's frustrating, probably. It's not frustrating. You get tired. Yeah, that makes because, sense. Because um, you're basically trying to voice this concern hmm. that becomes a nag because... Because they don't want to hear it anyway. Well, or... it's not just don't want to hear it. It gets in the way. Yeah. I have principles that I want to see driven through government. Hmm. That's my aspiration, not a position... Uh, that's why I really wanted to be council president mm. locally because I did make a difference over the last two years as far as organization. 
um, the way legislation was driven through the council, the way the meetings were run, uh, the way you know things from other departments come into the council. I did make a really positive contribution there, and that's within the role of council president. As far as the rest of government goes, I don't think uh, this is one of those classic things where the where the guy says one thing and then does the other, right? Like four <laughs> years later, but uh, I I don't think I would. I don't see for me uh, going any further with direct local right. municipal politics. Sure. Right, right, right. Okay. Um, I was just curious. Something I wonder about when I think about because I've always been sort of curious about like the inner workings of how like how you get involved and like what it means for your life to be involved in it like as you move on. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. Because I'm always fascinated by local politics, but I'm also like it seems to me that I would be frustrated as a politician, even though I am interested in the workings of it. Like I can feel like where it would make me very like jittery and angry. I get jittery and angry in the news. Let the alone, only way like, to not I mean, be frustrated is to yeah. not care. That's, that's a great point. Right. <laughs> that's a good point. And, and if you don't care, what's the point? So uh, here's the point, though, right? I spend nights reading the Federalist Papers, mm -hmm. James Madison, the Constitution, <laughs> the Bill of Rights, uh, the origin of why this country was founded. Um, I, I don't know how someone of my um, socioeconomic stature could achieve getting to, I guess, the federal level, but yeah. that's where I would like to see a contribution yeah. um, from myself even, yeah. because I think that we've gone so far away from the way the country was originally put together. That's another reason why people are so, there's so much strife, there's so much frustration. Yeah. They look to the federal government to do things the federal government shouldn't be doing. They look to the state for things that the state government should be doing. It's a misunderstanding of how everything was organized in the first place. And then instead of trying to go back to the original thing that got us here. Yeah. Um, and if you think about it, a lot of the things that are issues today, racism, yeah. um, sexuality, all of those things, we are all very concerned are oppressed in this country. Mm. And they're all still issues, okay, that... There's issues behind every one of these things that we could pull out of the yeah, hat, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we could always improve. But I still feel like, over the history of this country, even though periods of this country were horrible to certain people, okay, mm -hmm. and certain socioeconomic status, certain uh, considered races, um, you know, sexual orientation, we still, as a country. What our founding fathers put together allowed us to move past and through all that, yeah. and grow past it and become a better nation, and that's I don't want to I don't want to move away from that, you know, I don't want to move away from that. I do think there is from my from my perspective, and you know, I'm a you're you're talking to a registered Democrat who fancies himself an independent for the most part, but okay. tends to vote across like a particular line. Um, I do get concerned that. When I look to the federal government now, like when I look, like as a teacher too, I think about it like, mm -hmm. and you know, yeah, you know, I'm sure I'll get some sort of knock. I was, I was, I voted for like Obama twice. I love. So what? That's yeah. fine. There's no one should knock you for who you vote but for. People, people do that all the and time. People knock me for who I vote for. I, the point I'm you saying know? is, you know, like, I, I don't feel like when I talk to my kids about it, they look at the the role of like president and the job of politician in the same way that they did maybe as a 
prestigious thing they are interested in in a way that I, I don't know it makes me concerned the way that like I, I feel very discontented in general and not just at like one side of the political party I feel dis I feel disenfranchised by both the Democrats and the Republicans in the current political well I think the whole yeah. thing I, I do think we're going in the wrong direction yeah uh, that's why like it, yeah. I want to I don't know how this could ever happen but the reason I want to be somehow involved with like yeah. a federal level voice yeah. is that people right now believe in democracy. Yeah. That we're a democracy. Yeah. Um, I'm a Republican, yeah. just like you're saying you're a Democrat, yeah. right? But registered Democrat. Right. <laughs> well, I like to vote in primaries. <laughs> a, well, so here's the thing. I really am a Republican because I believe in the republic. Yeah. The reason I believe in the republic is that democracies, true democracies, where the mob rules, majority rules, yeah. are dangerous. Mm. Um, if you think about any of the oppressions that have gone on ever, mm. the oppressions that go on in our country still today, it's the masses oppressing a minority mm. of any kind. Yeah. And that's what a republic protects okay uh it it protects or it protects the uh, minority from the tyranny of the majority and democracy is mob rule and the reality is if the majority rules things are okay for a little while yeah because people like it yeah okay but then when that majority gets a bad idea mm. now you got a problem yeah, who we who do we look to who made the mistake here yeah, yeah, yeah. well not just who made the mistake but I think that's what's so beautiful about the way our country was constructed yeah. was that the Constitution and Bill of Rights are what we're supposed to look to to say, hey, wait a minute, mm. we're supposed to live and let live, okay? Mm. You're allowed to do what you want to do, you're allowed to do what you want to do, and if 10 of you get together and want to tell this guy what to do, you can't do that. Mm. This guy can still do what he wants to do, you know, as long as he's not hurting anyone, you know? <laughs> uh, but it is late in the evening. I know so I'm, I'm going so off, so far off topic. No, no, no. Listen, no, no. It's always I think it's great. Uh, it's always nice to come in and talk to you. And I think it's important that you know we Tangents. sit here. No, I think it's important that we can sit here as a as a registered Republican and Democrat and not feel like we can have a conversation that ends up in some like tumultuous place. Like I respect well, your. I opinions. actually, yeah, yeah. To, I, seriously, I like this conversation because yeah. the specifics of the local mm. issues yeah. are not what makes me tick. Yeah. It's not why I got in mm. to politics. I didn't get into politics to push the hospital mm. or be against the hospital. Exactly. I didn't get into politics to decide yeah. what to do. Mm. I want to I want to see what should mm. what's appropriate. Um, and and see the process play out. Mike, before I let you go tonight, because I know we've been here a long time, I want to let you get back home with your family and enjoy yourself. Uh one later question for you. Give, yeah. me, uh, give me one book, one album, one movie, or one television show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. Book? Uh, it's called The Constitution. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> no, it's great. It was um, published by Barnes & Noble. Mm. And it's really awesome compilation mm. of... All of the Federalist Papers, all the mm-hmm. letters that went between Britain and the colonies mm-hmm. before the actual Revolutionary That's War, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. goes right through it, <laughs> goes through the Constitutional Convention, yeah, the yeah. ratification, 
And it's such a cool thing to read all at once because you see, you get a feel for what they're going through. And there's so many parallels between our country now and what was going on then that I feel like if we would all pay more attention to it, we could learn something and really heal. I mean, time is a flat circle. It's all So sorry. The Constitution. <laughs> the Crown. Oh, you watch the crown. crown like that? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very nice. I'm I've only in season two. I've never dug into it, but it's always like on my list of things I should probably be watching. Uh, I rewatched Arrested Development. Ah, oh, the best. Yeah. So good. So good. So good. <laughs> um, and um, what was this one show that I watched the other day? And I'm not gonna watch. I'm not gonna watch anymore because I was. I was like, really? This is too far. Um, is it like a new show? The Black Mirror. Oh, I like Black Mirror. Oh, I'm into Black Mirror. I liked it. Did you, did you just watch like, the first episode? Yeah. No, no, get past the first one. Oh. No, trust me. Get past the first one. It's The first one's a very particular thing, but if you get past that, the show's okay. excellent. It's excellent. That, sounds like, that actually sounds like my description of Mad Men. I watched yeah. the first episode of Mad Men, and I didn't watch it because I'm like, this is ridiculous. They're Not just drawing, They're just creating total, like, you know... Uh, it's insane pictures of the 50s I'm, and then it ended up great I'm yeah. a huge Parks and Recreation person but I tell people all the time you gotta get past the first season because it's just not that good right just get get past it because it's right. worth it it's worth it when you get past it right, so, but you gotta fight your way through it so when I have insomnia yeah, yeah. later yeah go through give it at watch least, episode 2 get through the second and third episodes if you don't like it after that it's not for you you can move past it but get through yeah. at least the second episode okay next question no that's Anything it so I got, Michael no I appreciate oh, it I got Thank one you. for you real quick I love it Ready? Yes, absolutely. If you had to listen to a song right now, now who your favorite band is, which song would you listen to? Led Zeppelin or Stone Temple Pilots? Led Zeppelin. Okay. Yeah, All right. uh, Led Zeppelin. All right, Telecaster or SG? Oh, SG. That's tough, though. SG is high on my list recently. I've been talking about that for years. I've had Les Pauls, I've had Strats, I've had Telecasters. I've never actually owned a Gibson or Epiphone SG. It's high on my list for the next thing I'd like to own at some point in you time. you played one extensively? Not in years. Vesali, my buddy Nick Vesali, shout out to my GFOP, Nick Vesali, used to have an Epiphone SG we would play on the road, nice. which was a nice little workman guitar that I really enjoyed, uh, but I've never had a Gibson that I've had for a long period of time. That, that's nice on my list. All right, and then the last and final question. Mm-hmm. Fender Twin or Marshall Head? Give me an orange tube amp. Oh, and then I'll, all right. Uh, See, all right. Done. <laughs> Michael, thank you so much. <laughs> uh, I appreciate time. it. Uh, folks, we'll be back to the show in just a moment. Once again, to our good friend, Common Council President, Michael Galimi uh, of the famous Utica Galimis, one of my favorite families in the whole world. Some of the best. Do you remember that time uh, right before Boilermaker last year that Mike Galimi just popped into the house one night? Like, <laughs> yes. he was out on a run, and yes. he saw that like there were people hanging out at the house, and he just like came in the door like in his running gear, sweating, just wanted to say hello, see how everything was going, like in the middle of like a night run. It was like 10.30. <laughs> yeah, it was impressive. It was just out there, like really being the president of the Common Council, out there running the streets, popping out <laughs> yeah. the house to make sure things are good all night. Um, no, it's always, I, I love Mike. And Mike's a really good dude. Yeah, he's a great dude, and it's nice, again, 
only Republican I've ever gone on record to vote for, if you go look at my voting I record. I, voted, I had his big sign in my front yard. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good honor. I've told him many times. He, he laughs at me about it. But All right. Uh, I don't have extensive history notes today, so we'll kind of brush through them uh, a little faster than normal. Uh, on this day, in 1790, the first president, George Washington, delivered the first State of the Union Address. Uh, his main talking point at the time was trying to establish a standing army, which was a controversial issue in the fledgling country. Mm. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, the next pre- in 1801, Thomas Jefferson, w- when asked to do a State of the Union, said, nah, no thanks, uh, under the guise that he felt it was too kingly, something that a king would do and not a president. So he declined to do it. Uh, there was not another State of the Union until 1913 when Woodrow Wilson said, I'm too pretty. They got to put me out in front of these people. I'm back, baby. And then uh, the State of the it's Union. Direct quote. <laughs> direct quote. I'm back, baby. I'm back, baby. Uh, <laughs> it was actually not referred to as the State of the Union until 1934 when Franklin Delano Roosevelt uh, started referring to it as that. And then 1947, it became the common nomenclature that it was referred to as the State of the Union. Uh, I was thinking to myself, and I read this article, I was like, I wonder when Trump's going to have the State of the Union. Oh, I was like, oh, God, he already did, didn't he? And I totally... Do you remember anything about it? Because I don't. Yeah. Was it, I don't. Was it a thing? Yeah, it certainly was. I don't think I don't remember. It certainly was. Well, you did, I'm sure you didn't watch it. <laughs> I did not want to watch it. Uh, I would. I, I'm, I'm very curious about what like, the first State of the Union was like. <laughs> in like 1790, he's probably, he's probably standing on like a barrel yelling to like 100 people in a field somewhere. Like, everything's all right. We need to keep our guns, keep an army just in case. Never know what England's up to. Can you hear me in the back? I'll see you guys later. I know I have wooden teeth. It's hard to (laughs) pronunciate. Um, All right, let's move on. On Pronunciate? Pronunciation. Uh, (laughs) On this day. It doesn't absolve you. (laughs) Pronunciation. On this day in 1933, uh, two major things happened. Uh, Monopoly was invented, Mm. uh, which is, as I've mentioned many times, one of my lowest of the board games because <laughs> it's I very aggressive. You like Monopoly? Mm-hmm. Do you like fighting? Yes. Oh, there you go. That makes I more sense. You, want, you, want, you like to argue with people. That's good. You should come to the house for a Monopoly game sometime. I know. You should play Parkinson. Oh, jeez. It's something. I'll do it. It's something. Right. Parkinson... Bring your own money. Because <laughs> he'll bring his. <laughs> Parkinson um, is a good example of a particular subgroup of people who feels that you are not adequately playing any game unless you are openly cheating but he like, like i've never i've never played a game of monopoly with him where he's not just like at any opportunity like palming money from the bank like you have to keep him away from the stack of money the banker's got to be super diligent he always volunteers to be the banker and anybody who's played him was like absolutely not we're gonna keep the banker in a separate room well here's the thing is here's the secret about monopoly no one wants to be the banker because it's a pain in the ass mm-hmm. so he, when he's like i'll be the banker everyone's like mm, i'll do it i'll do it <clears throat> also, on the same day, uh, the 1933 classic King Kong premiered in uh, New York City. So you could, uh, I assume the guy who invented Monopoly went out and celebrated with a brisk showing of King Kong at, the, uh, at the radio <laughs> Doubt it. Call. Doubt it. Um, on this day in 1959, the Barbie doll was invented and presented at a toy fair in New York City. Um, did you ever play with Barbies growing up? Mm-hmm. What was your, did you have like different types of Barbie, like a Malibu Barbie? I did. Malibu Barbie was my first Barbie, actually. Her name was Miko. Miko? Mm-hmm. You didn't name her Barbie? No. That was her name. She came with Miko. Oh, okay. I think, 
Okay, so <laughs> boys play with action with action figures, but like most of my action figures were established characters. Like I wasn't naming them. It was like Hulk right. Hogan or yeah, the yeah. Un- or the Undertaker or most whatever. Most of it was Barbie though. Mm-hmm. She just Barbie. happened to be a special one. A special one. Okay, that's fair. Uh, I had a weird. I think I'm muddy. I'm not sure if I shared this story with you or not, but um, so my niece just recently got into playing with Barbies. And I don't know where she got it from. Like, I don't know if one of her friends plays with it. Because I guess I was under the assumption that Barbies are, like, in, like, a, a foregone, a forgotten no, era toy. Still playing Barbies. Yeah, like... Is, no, I, kids are still out there. They're slinging Barbies left and right. I assume... Is, I, I just assume there's a Barbie app they play on instead, right? No, like, I don't think no, they, they still got the dolls. They still got the dolls. Well, they do got the dolls. It's true. I see it. So, I, I, you know, I had to go to the toy store and get a Barbie doll for my niece and my sister said to me you need to get one of the curvy barbies and i said excuse me uh, apparently barbie comes in a variety of shapes and sizes now like body types there's thin barbie and tall barbie and short barbie and and chubby barbie and thick bar whatever there's a lot of different types of barbies right <laughs> And thick with two C's. With two Barbie. C's, yeah, thick with two C's. And, uh, you know, and I'm not... I think they would save that for a brat style. I'm not, like, I don't... My sister, I was like, I was like, sort of like, do wait, you want me to buy her, like... She's like, yeah, yeah, because, like, you know, she, it, you know, she wants a doll that, like, you know, reminds her of, like, her or whatever. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And I was thinking about it, and I was like, are you sure? Because, like, I grew up playing, like... Okay, so I play wrestling video games where you make your own character, right? I'm not trying to make, like, a schlubby character who looks just like me. I'm trying to make, like, the best version of me. Yeah. I'm not, loved, you know what I'm saying? I like, know. That's why I loved Barbie, because she was really pretty, and she wore really cool clothes, and she had high heels. And like, and I understand that Barbie, like, presents, like, an ear, an, uh, uh, an unnatural, like, presentation <laughs> of, like, beauty and all that kind of thing, right? But I don't think that... I didn't, like, look at Hulk Hogan and be like, man, the fact that I'm not pumping iron all the time means I'm inadequate, I suppose, but... Sorry. I don't know, I just thought it was interesting. I don't know if I'd want, like, an action figure that represents me as <laughs> myself know. right no, now, right? I want action figures <laughs> it's escapism. to escapism. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to play right. with some action figure that looks like me. Like, uh, that's okay. what would be the point. Right, I've got myself I'm, out here. I'm glad that you guys are with this on me, because I, I was sort of torn about this. I was like, I don't know. And it was like, Barbie doesn't come with a convertible. She comes with a dumpy car. And- <laughs> yeah, she <laughs> went on. I feel like a lot of times adults, like, project their images their their issues onto the kids. Yeah, and this. You know what I mean? Like I feel like the your average yeah, six year old yeah. kid doesn't really care. They just want to play with the pretty I doll. Whereas like adults are like you need a body positive doll because I <laughs> hate my body. And it's like, hey. You're gonna be just like this when you get older. <laughs> Unless you do something about it. Because you have a doll that represents. I mean, you. make make the option available. Let the kids have all the dolls. I think all kids should have all That's the toys. Silly. But I. Silly. Uh. All right, let's move on from that. It'd be terrible to have to shop for a kid, like for Christmas and stuff like that. Only see, here's the thing: it's only terrible to shop for children who are not the same gender as you. Because when I'm shopping for my nephews, I could find them a million things. Mm-hmm. I just look at the things that I would have wanted if I were them. Like I'm like, oh my god, like inflatable <laughs> boxing gloves, crazy. You know I mean, with my niece, like I'll look at something in like the like the Barbie doll. I'm like, oh, that one's kind of cool, and it's like, oh, I don't. She doesn't yeah, care about yeah. this. She's already got <laughs> garbage. 
Uncle Sam, you idiot, you're out of touch. <laughs> Barbies and Legos are two of those things, too, that when your your like, nieces and nephews tell you to buy them, it's a nightmare because they're all marketed. At, they'll give you, like, oh, it's got to be this one. It's Lego Volume 3 with the Speed Racer car, and then the... I'm like, wait, there's, like... That's a, a good one. Yeah. They're all good. Like, there's, like, 9,000 of them. I'm like, I can't I tell which one's which. They're all $1,000. <laughs> hey, speaking of which, uh, I know this was not on my thing. Did you see that Lego is making organic Legos out of plant material now to be more sustainable. Let's do it. There's yeah. too much plastic to put yeah, in Yeah, I the bet world. they're going to be really expensive. Yeah, even more expensive. <laughs> they're already expensive. <laughs> Don't worry, it's coming. Kaz is probably going to love Legos. Love he already, has, he already builds with the big ones right now. Oh, like the, the big, big one. The Duplo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Duplo blocks. <laughs> I'm, I'm familiar with Duplo. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, again, these are not in order this week because uh, this one leads into something else. But on they've this... all been in order so far. They all have, but oh. this one's not. On this, oh. uh, on this... Wait, it kind of is, isn't it? No? Okay. On this, <laughs> on this day, 1946, uh, Winston Churchill told a crowd in Fulton, Missouri, that an iron curtain had descended upon the continent. It's a very dark moment. You would almost call it the darkest hour. Like that movie. Is that Oscar. what that movie was about? I don't know if that's what that movie was about. Why, can I tell you? You're the guy. Can I tell you? You're the, obsessed with the damn Oscars. How do you not know? Well, because here's the point. Even though like we're celebrating Churchill stuff like today and tomorrow in history, I still could not be bothered to care about Dunkirk or Darkest Hour, no matter how much I feel like I'd like them if I actually I feel like you're them. misunderstanding what Dunkirk is. I, I probably. I probably mm-hmm. am. Like, I... Those are my biggest. Those are some of my biggest takeaways from the Oscar presentation last night. Is that no matter what they try and spin me, no matter how they give that award to Gary Oldman or talk about how great the sound design is on Dunkirk, how much I like Christopher Nolan, I'm just not interested in either of these Winston Churchill World War II epic films. I'm just not really super gassed about either of them. I feel like Dunkirk is not an epic. I feel like if it's Christopher Nolan, I feel like it's small and intimate actually for like a large Mm -hmm. scale, but also I don't know. I think I think you should watch Dunkirk. I'll eventually watch I've never it, seen sure. it, so I mean, I'm just literally just making things up, so... But from what I've read... <laughs> Heather, did you watch no. any of the Oscars at all No, last night? I didn't, and we don't cable. Oh, I should have come to your house. <laughs> did you watch any of the movies in general? Um, no. So you didn't see... I'd only seen one of the films. I'd seen Get Out, which... We just watched Get Out, like, last I week. I didn't see any of them. No. No. We, we watched Get Out them. Friday or Saturday night. Whatever night. Yeah, I we w- wanted to watch it before the Oscars. I wanted to watch we watched it. We watched it Thursday night because I went really? to see. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to watch the She's post. the only person in America who wants to watch The Post. That's, um, that's outrageous. I'm sure The Post is fine. I'm, I don't know. I'm sure The Post is all right. <laughs> what, history? Well, I, I don't want to cut too far off from the Get Out thing because we watched it on Friday and I thought it was. Thursday. <laughs> Thursday. I thought it was. Because I saw Black Panther on Wednesday. So we oh, saw it on. Yo, go see Black Panther right now. Everybody. Like, stop the show. I'll go see it again. Yeah, and it was exactly what they said it was, and I really enjoyed um, it. I don't exactly always, I, I don't always feel that way about a comic book movie either. That's important they said they've to been say. like not very good. I'm not, I'm not is... somebody who bites on every single comic book property, mm-hmm. but I enjoyed that movie a lot. Yeah. Why are you looking at me when you say that? Um, I wasn't, but I could feel you <laughs> wanting me to look at you. And you're shaking your head up and down. And <laughs> no, but even you, you're not one of these. You don't watch like the Thor movies. You've seen like a Thor movie. I've heard probably. this Thor movie is good, so I would watch it based on word of mouth. But I wasn't. Love to know who's got this kind of time for the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe yeah. plus the Netflix shows. people with money. I suppose. I guess. Would, uh, uh, so yeah, I, I watched the Oscars last night, and again, we watched Get Out on Friday. Get Out was amazing. Get Out was amazing. Mm-hmm. And because it was the only movie I had really seen, I was going based on what I knew about people I liked and just rooting for Get Out to win because it was the only movie I had seen. Um, 
I thought the actual Oscar show itself, we won't spend forever on this because it was kind I of always, a downer. I always watch movies too late afterwards. Like, I feel like I'm now just watching movies from that's like three I, years ago Oscars. But that's when I find out about movies is when the Oscars happen. And I'm like, oh, I should probably go see that. That's fair. That's fair. Um, so The Shape of Water won, movie where the lady has sex with the fish. Ha, ha, ha. Jokes abound about lady having sex with the fish. I get it. Um, I'm so, And this is the only thought I had to Kevin last night, right? Like, I'm sure The Shape of Water is a cool movie. Right, like I like Guillermo del Toro, I like Michael Shannon, cool. I like uh, Sally Jenkins, I like all the actresses and uh, what's her name? What um, else is Sally Jenkins in? She, she was in Godzilla, and she's in a bunch of other movies. Like, people have seen indie movies. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember the names of it. She's good though. I like her in everything I see her. Fair enough. Didn't we vote last week too? I forget. We did. Did we, we, we vote last week? Last week. What did we say? I don't remember. Who picked what? No, it's a good call because I, I forgot that I actually wrote this down. You I would have done votes. What did you pick? Uh, here I gotta find it. Uh, I don't remember. I. I think I feel like I picked Shape of Water because it seemed like the obvious really? choice. Is that it? No, no, that's not. Uh, I can't find it. Too them. bad. We definitely made choices at some point in time, and I feel like I lost them all. Um, but that's okay. <laughs> so we saw Get Out. I liked it. Then Shape of Water wins Best Picture. I feel like if I watch Shape of Water now and it's not better than Get Out, I'm immediately going to be like, this is bullshit. <laughs> right? Like, like, <laughs> I feel like they're going to be too different. I don't know. I feel like Get Out was a very... Uh, distinctive distinctive voice of a movie and very like kind of different and unique mm. in a voice so I'm not expecting sometimes there's something you'll see and you know you'll like it better even if like you can argue the merits of like which of the two is better yeah it's the difference between best and favorite talk about a lot of like movies yeah, yeah, music sure. and stuff like that I think that's gonna be a case of that situation um, so I attempted to live stream or live tweet the Oscars last night for about two hours ish, and I just kind of got. Was burned. anybody into it? A couple people were into it. Who else was out there watching the Oscars with you? There's some people. I saw Pete Forgets out there watching the Oscars. Okay. He was very angry that Kobe won an award. I think he's a Kobe. I think a lot of Pete Forgets, this is a shout out for you. <laughs> Let me explain something to you. Uh-oh. Kobe's one of the best of all time. Kobe's amazing. The NBA is better than the NHL categorically. Ooh. And um, oh, Michael gosh. Jordan doesn't have an Oscar. LeBron James doesn't Great. have an Oscar. Larry <laughs> Bird doesn't have an Twitter Oscar. Tomorrow. None of these people. <laughs> Pete, next time I see you, I owe you a beer for Oscar winner Kobe Bryant. <laughs> it's, super, the bank. <laughs> it's super. Uh, my favorite tweet about that was someone online was like, yo, Kobe's going to be so much weirder now that he's got an Oscar. <laughs> like, even weirder I than I want him to get something else now. Like, oh, let's see what other weird prizes you uh, can win. But I think. <laughs> I didn't realize he put that out. Like, I'm a big Kobe fan, but that's, there's so much news that it kind of passed by. And I'm like, wait, who? And then he was on stage. I'm like, what's happened? Did I fall asleep? Like, what's okay. going on? What are, the, what are the chances that he won that? That he won an Oscar last night because this is the Hollywood like Academy of Film Institute. He's from Los no. Angeles. And they were no. like, oh, my God, Kobe. We just picked them. It's absolutely zero. And zero? I'll tell you why. Um, with, with everything that's going on in Hollywood right now and the things that are going on, that's he's true. not a guy they want to trot out there. That's a great point. He's not. He has a chance. I don't know. They gave Gary. They gave Gary Oldman the Best Actor award. And he's got just as much baggage as Kobe does. does he? They all have baggage. Yeah, yeah he does too. <laughs> really? Yeah, he's I, got I like some. He's got that know. domestic abuse thing going. Oh. Yeah. And look, I'm saying like it's. We could make this argument about a thousand people. Like we laughed about it last night. We're like, oh, no, Casey Affleck appearance. What a surprise! I'm surprised he didn't show up. Right, but like this. I thought they actually did a pretty good job of not being overly. I enjoyed the show. The show, yeah, the show, was, yeah, the show pretty was, good. was pretty good. Yeah, all things considered. Jimmy Kimmel did a great job. I was going to ask how Jimmy Kimmel is excellent. Him. I like him quite a bit. I think the shtick with him like going across and like surprising people. They did that last year too with him. I was like, okay, we can we, this show's already like forty five minutes too long. Can we? 
like kick it along a little bit. Like it felt like the show. Here's my problem with the Oscars always. Yeah, but they had your girl Wonder Woman out there, so it was fine. Oh, Wonder do. Woman and Margot Robbie. I do like the two of them as Just best passing friends. out like pizzas and Sour Patch Kids at the <laughs> theater across the street. Um, like all these actors and actresses, and people are just like, wait, what? It you know, on the movies. you can call me a, a, a sucker if you want. I think it's funny to watch, like, celebrities interact with each other. Like, I thought it was just funny to see, like, Gal Gadot and Margot Robbie, like, walking around being, like, talking to each other. I'm like, what are they talking about? I'm very curious. I always wonder, like, who knows who. Who knows probably, who? Yeah. There's probably a lot of famous people in, like, movies and music and other things like that where, like, there's friendships that would surprise you. Oh, you know yeah. I mean? Like, you find out that, like, Amy Poehler and, uh, like... Bobby Flay are just like best of buddies. <laughs> just chilling. Like, yeah. They go out on double dates with their wives and husbands all the time. It's like, really? A uh, couple quick last points to close out with for Oscars, unless you guys have anything else. Uh, I was happy to see my buddy Sam Rockwell finally get uh, that Oscar. I've been a big mark for Sam Rockwell on this podcast for almost two years True. now. Talking about how much I love him. Go watch the movie Moon. Go watch the movie uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Jordan Peele got what he deserved with uh, yes, he best, did. Screen, yeah. best screenplay. It was an amazing screenplay. Like, that was that was one of the few movies that I've watched when I was watching it where I'm actively like, this is a really good screenplay. Like really the well writing written. brilliant is, movie. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, and I, I gotta say, there was one sequence of the Oscars last night that really threw me for a loop. It was right after Kobe Bryant won an Oscar, which I'm still like Oscar award winner. Kobe Oscar award winner. Kobe. Right after that, they go. All right, and next on the stage, we're gonna have Sufjan Stevens performing. And I was like, wait a minute, are you following? And then he performs, and they go to commercial. Like, and we come back, Eddie Vedder. I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> wait, wait, you got Sufjan, Kobe, and Eddie Vedder all together on my stage. I like, think one one of the things about watching <coughs> Kobe go out there and accept the award that I mean, obviously nobody questioned deserved. It was interesting to see him get out there at like the height of a basketball player because on the basketball court, he's not one of the taller guys. Like he's a no. guard, you know what I mean. But you see him out there amongst all these actors and stuff like that, and he's just towering <laughs> over everybody. He's like <laughs> six foot six. Um, yeah, that was interesting because everyone in Hollywood is very tiny. It seems like. Yeah, well. I can't remember who presented, but whatever actor it was, he went up there and like it was a guy <laughs> who like you normally picture as like you know a big dude actor. Kobe was just miles above him. Would you go to the Oscars if they gave you a ticket? Yeah, three. It'd be, it'd be fun, right? Yeah, absolutely. I would rather go to the Oscars than the I'll Super Bowl. I'll go to almost anything you oh, give me yeah. a ticket for. Like I would much rather go to the Oscars than the Super Bowl because the Super Bowl seems like a scam, where the Oscars seems like I might accidentally bump into like yeah, Bruce but I can get a picture of a lot of people. You know what I'm saying? Like you might just randomly yeah. run into like uh, I don't just some mid level. Like celebrity. Yeah, I'm right? looking for anybody. like I'm looking for like C list people who know like, the fun part. <laughs> yeah, I'm like I'm well aware that Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks aren't going to do anything besides maybe politely say hello to me. But if I can get like a you know eighth build actor from like some indie movie and we can all just like go, I would like hang out. That's all right. I would like to go hang out with. Uh, Michael Keegan Key there, uh, Jordan Peele's partner, oh. while he's like getting drunk at the barbie and like I didn't think I was gonna be like the one. <laughs> I thought I was gonna be the famous one. I didn't think Peele was gonna be this like, like cause like cause Key's on all the TV shows. He's yeah. all over the place like doing that acting thing. But now Jordan Peele's got that like, Oscar. Yeah, they're gonna like, let him make whatever he wants next. Yeah. So I heard a good theory about this. Do you think they should make a sequel to Get Out? Because there's talk no. that he already has an idea in his head for. A they sequel will, to Get Out. but no. <laughs> Leave it alone. So I heard two theories. One is Chris dates another... Are we spoiler zone? I don't know. Uh, Look at I know enough from what nah. you said. Yeah, but I don't know who's listening. Like Because one of the best things I enjoyed about Get Out was seeing it. I had a decent idea what the plot was. I won't spoil it. But I didn't know any of the twists and turns of which there were many. 
It was one of my favorite things I was saying about horror movies is normally there's like one reveal and yeah. that's when like the movie's revealed. This one had like ten. I and love it was that. really yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. One of these days we'll do like uh, I'll put like a, a thing on I'll put like homework up for people. I'll put like a movie out that people can watch and then we'll we'll debate the movie like the next week on like the show that. or something. It'll be fun. All right, a couple quick news stories before we uh, head out of here. Uh, guys, the the, uh, the robots taking over. I know we talk about it all the time. I've been saying. Um, <laughs> I've been damn saying. Uh, in the United Kingdom, researchers have successfully grown the world's first crop of barley using nothing but robot tractors and drones. Um, I'm not even going to sit here and talk about how it's going to destroy the world and the robots are coming. Although I will admit, I would be absolutely like over the moon to watch the drones and robot tractors do their work. I just nah, feel like it'd be amazing. I feel like, I feel like after about 20 minutes, you'd be like, okay, well, yeah. I've seen what they do. I mean, like if you're standing out there, these things are flying all over the place and doing the stuff. You're like, yo, this is the this is the future. Future's coming, guys. It's the awesome. future's here. Great. <laughs> it's here. Um, so guys, uh. I was found this out today. Uh, St. Patrick's Day is on a Saturday this year. It sure which, is. Which I, like I that. I'm I'm impartial to it because I'm not an Irishman, right? Um, but Kev, I know you work in a brewery and you're an Irishman. That probably do. means extra work for you. I feel like. Well, um, no, actually, because we're closed on St. Patrick's Day. Hey. There so you go. we'll go. We'll I'll be there super early because we put a float in the parade. So we'll be out with the Saranac float in the parade. Um, we're looking at right now, I guess I can say it, although we've still got some details that we're working out, so we haven't released it to the public, but the Friday night before uh, before St. Patrick's Day, before the parade, Friday night, we're going to do, I think, a pop-up dinner down at the brewery where everybody can come down and get their corned beef, their cabbage, get oh, something so to cool. eat, load up. Everybody come have a meal down at the brewery, eat some Irish food, and get ready to go out and like see if we can just take Varick Street all the way down to the ground the next day. See, that was kind of nice. I was going to pivot into something different, so I guess. Oh, either way. Uh, yeah, that's good. I like that idea. Yeah. That's smart. It's super fun being in the parade, too. I always look forward to it. It's nice like waved all your friends, and it's like, God. it all comes down to the weather. I'm excited because I used to love the parade when I was little, so Kaz, I get to bring Kaz, and mm-hmm. he knows trucks now and everything, so yeah. for me, I'm just like so excited to see It's a lot of fun. I used to love it. I would go with my like extended family yeah. every year, all the time, back in the day. He used to put me in the back of that damn WBU truck with the you stupid were, frog. Remember yeah, the Michigan J frog? Remember that time we played on the WOUR float? Yes! Oh, that was pretty That was wild. fun. It's hard we, to play. We, <laughs> were, in the, we were in the parade and like our band and like, oh my god, like a really old band, like 2005 probably or something like that, maybe four. We were on the WOUR float and they told us we had to play cover songs. And the weather was pretty nice and so we played like Come Together by the Beatles and Teenage Wasteland by the Who and like people were going nuts. Like it was the first time there had been like a rock band on a float. Mm-hmm. It was, it was really surreal to be going down there but the thing you don't notice is like with the stops and starts it's tough to hold on and start standing up. It's like being like, on the subway. When you've got an instrument you're not holding on to anything so I found myself in like a full power punk rock stance trying to keep my knees bent so I didn't fall over in front of all these people who were super stoked to hear like the Beatles. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun though. That's a good story, and I'm going to pivot away from it because I wanted to get to the point I was making. Anyway. Jeez, <laughs> <No, laughs> I'm but, so sorry. Well, the point is, uh, I remember... Like, so sorry, One of Sam. my predominant St. Patrick's Day memories, though, was when we used to live on Thomas... In that crummy apartment on Thomas Street, yeah. we would walk down to the parade, and we would drink yeah. Irish car bombs in the morning, which is one of the few times I ever drink Irish car bombs, which is cultural appropriation for you and your people, I think, right? Uh... <laughs> right? a, lot, a lot of layers to the onion there. <laughs> uh, so you guys have heard of the Irish car bomb. Have you heard of a Maryland car bomb? No. Oh well, let me tell you, it's uh, it's not what you think it is. Crab. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, 
Police in Maryland say a car blew up earlier this week when a man inside lit a cigarette after spritzing himself with aerosol body spray. Oh, dude. <laughs> the, Mar- oh. the Maryland what car. <laughs> so how do you order that at a bar? I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a weird segue. Uh, the point I was thinking of, though, with the Maryland car bomb is, like, how much body spray did you have to spray on where that cigarette lit your was car Was it doing on? it mid, like... Enough, because if, if your windows aren't open and that stuff's floating around there, like if you give yourself a spritz, and then light seems like you would spritz after you lit, probably. Or but you at the same time, there, like, you know, Hard to say. I don't know. The man has not been identified because he's begging people to not tell anyone that he did this. That's a good thing. <laughs> uh, that's, oh, let's see, okay. So, guys, uh, here's one last one before we close out. You can't talk about being Irish now. I just want to talk about the parade. And no, it's like, <laughs> like all you want to talk about. Um, <laughs> Go ahead. So there's been uh, a lot of, like, crummy movies that have come out over the last 10 years based on, like, intellectual property that already exists. Board games, uh toys, TV shows. Um, are you ready for the next one, the next phase of movies, the things we're going to start making movies out of? Are you ready for this? Is it like apps? Oh, well, we already had that with the Emoji movie, right? Oh, yeah. So they've already kind of done that. Fox Searchlight, uh, so are s- <laughs> Fox Searchlight are set to produce the film Flamin' Hot, which will tell the true story of Richard Montanez, who rose from humble beginnings to a successful bi- a businessman who created the product phenomenon Flaming Hot Cheetos. That's right. So I guess the question, <laughs> Sam, I guess the question, Sam, on a scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you for the Flaming Hot Cheetos? To find movie? out about the man behind one of your favorite things that exists. Is um, there any movie about the Cheeto guy? Yeah, the, the, flaming, hot, not the flaming Hot, hot Cheetos hot guy. Cheeto guy. Oh. The, the guy. <laughs> okay, so I was more excited about this story when I thought it was a movie about, like, an animated cheese puff. But it's actually... But it's actually a story about the man who invented... Flaming Hot Seasoning, which is somehow a less interesting movie to me. I'd rather see one about the Little Keebler Elves or something, a real movie. I'm surprised that's not a thing already. A real movie. Yeah, like a real one. I'd like to see a real film, Sam. Perhaps Keebler Elves. Um, E.L. Fudge himself. <laughs> Mr. E.L. Fudge, Mr. Magic Middles. That's peasant. <laughs> All right, and uh, one last story to close out today. Uh, it's a little English lesson for you I folks. Uh, on Monday... Uh, you can say it last one. Last third one. last one. Episode 96. Well, yeah. On, uh, on Monday, Merriam-Webster Dictionary announced that 850 new words have taken uh, have, oh. have found their way into the oh, English old folks language. are going to be so mad. <laughs> no. All right, here's a couple for you. How about glamping? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah everyone knows that. Glamour camping, is that a thing? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, dude, that's, yeah, it's a, it's a heck of a uh, way to go, too. Dumpster it's fire. Time. Dumpster fire is well, now an actual recognized oh, that's an actual phrase, yeah. Thing. As in uh, putting glamping the in the dictionary. Trump administration dic- is a dumpster fire. <laughs> <laughs> putting glamping in the dictionary is a dumpster fire idea. That's actually their thing. Really? And I feel like that's not the right context. I mean, they would know better than me, but... And uh, mansplain finally made it, which is a, a strange word. Uh, uh, and yes. let me explain to you why mansplaining is a bad thing. I'm sorry. I'm done. No, that's the end. Okay. <laughs> All right. Like person. All right, but here's, here's one that I really like. Um, have you ever heard this phrase? A noble spirit embiggens the smallest man. Yeah. You know what that's from? No. no. That is from The Simpsons. Oh. That is the phrase on the Springfield plaque said by Jebediah Springfield. Uh, 
a noble spirit in Biggins, the smallest man. The joke, of course, being that in Biggins is not a real word. It's funny that now, 20, 25 years later, we've decided to make in Biggins a real word based on its usage in The Simpsons and comic books. I feel like that's fair, though, because if you can use a word, even if it's not in the dictionary, if you can use a word to convey a message that the majority of people would get, that's a word. There's actually a phrase for that. It's called uh, neologicism. Neologism, uh, which is... Uh, a relatively new term or phrase, uh, which is based on words that are currently entering common usage but are not there yet, right? Uh, so it's it's a little bit of a takeoff from what we talked about last week about like the the generic trademarks, but like something like uh, like crowdsourcing is not like a a, a recognized word in the, in yeah, the English language yet, but we use it so often that it eventually will be right. So uh, start using embiggen when you guys want to express something that is growing larger. Uh, it's a perfectly cromulent word to use for it. That's all I'm saying. All right, that's it. Uh, that's all we have for this week. Uh, sayonara, humanoids. Uh, you can follow... Oh, wait, you can follow Heather on Twitter if you want, at HeatherWaz1. Follow Kevin on Twitter, underscore Kevin Sullivan. Did you tweet it all during the Oscars now? No. I didn't think so. Uh, no, I... No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. Uh, no. Don't yeah, follow. I don't think anybody would care if I tweeted. Nobody cares. Hey, everyone tweet. loves you. No, I don't I was, know about do. that. I, do they? They do. I don't know. They didn't like my stand-up material I was working out. What did I work out? I Buddy, was... I've heard your stand-up material. <laughs> I think my favorite one was, um, here I was thinking The Shape of Water was a movie about decorative drinking glasses. <laughs> no, nobody. That's kind of funny. You, Come pu- on. you publicly posted that with your name attached good. to it. Yeah. With well, with Heather's name attached to it. No, I put the I put the <laughs> Heather's head. Heather said this. Uh, Heather Heather Oz wants to start tweeting all my tweets. Under- Heather said this. Thing. No. Underscore Kevin Sullivan. Sorry, underscore Kevin Sullivan. Let him go. Just follow the show at uticast.com. We are also on maidenutica.com. Uticast.com for all current back episodes. Uh, Apple Podcast, Stitcher. Uh, SoundCloud, we are taking over the web. Uh, sayonara, humanoids, uh, keep it tight. Uh, Woodstock lives. Saturday, 7.30 a.m., Liverpool, Manchester United. Wake up. I'm going to live tweet the game. You can watch it with me. Anyone? Are we closing? Are we yeah, done? we're done. That's we're it. Done? Okay. No one cares. We still have that ice cream sundae left. Is it melted? Oh, like it I like it melted. I like it melted. I like it melted.